Welcome to The Church Door, a place where I can post my Bible studies and sermons for your listening pleasure. I'm the Reverend Matthew Fenn, pastor of St. Peter's Evangelical Lutheran Church in Stratford, Ontario. Thanks for tuning us in. All right, well, let's begin our Bible study with a word of prayer. Lord, you have caused all your holy scriptures to be written for our learning. May we so read them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by the patience and comfort offered by your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast to the blessed hope of eternal life, which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Shoot me if I can't figure out what, how that phrase, that prayer goes, and I say it every week. <sighs> okay, so we are on today um, the second last topic in my proposed series on s- Christian spirituality. We are on um, serving and hospitality. They kind of go together. Next week, we have the topic of stability. Basically, blooming where you're planted. Uh, Staying put in one place. Um, After that, we need new Bible study topics. I had a couple ideas. See which one. Show of hands. You guys are my Bible study crew, so you guys are going to be the ones who are actually going to show up. Other people will come here and there. Hopefully, maybe the new year. We have some people online. Um, But I'm thinking um, the Gospel of Luke. A deep dive into the Gospel of Luke. Send out those study questions like I did before for the other ones. Or the other option, we could uh, review the 2017 update of the small catechism. I bet you some of you haven't had catechism class for a very long time. And they released a new edition in 2017. Um, So raise your hands for Luke. Luke. I think the Luke's have it. Okay, Luke's have it. We'll do Luke, and um, we'll, so so next we'll do Luke. Um, I've had a couple requests for the Apocrypha again to pick that up. What I will do is um, I will look for opportunities to put maybe those in as a one shot, break up the series of Luke, um, especially as we get to Lent. There's a couple of passages that are really good for Lent. There's a prayer in there, a made-up prayer uh, of Manasseh uh, that's a really awesome prayer. He never never prayed it, but it's a really good prayer nonetheless. Somebody prayed it. Uh, anyway, okay. What comes to mind, to your mind, when we talk about being a servant? Helping others? Yes, that's that's... An obligation, drudgery, <laughs> sometimes, right? I, when I hear the word servant, the first thing that comes into my mind is, is Jeeves from <laughs> Jeeves and Wooster. Uh, some of you might know what that is, others not, that's okay. Um, but like the butler, pardon? Obedient. obedient, yes, that's... Um, would you agree that <laughs> servants don't always receive um, appreciation for their efforts? <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
Um, so here's the more penetrating question. If Jesus were to come back to earth today, what type of service did, would you have wished you did? That you did. Yeah, no, I, the, you don't have to answer that out loud. It's a, it's a thought question, a rhetorical question, something for you to think about. So if Jesus came back today, what areas would you be thinking, man, I wish I would have helped here, served there? And serving is not, serving in the Christian church is not, it's not just a casual thing. It's, it's costly. Um, as Bonhoeffer says, when Christ bids a man to come, he bids him to come and die. So it's, it's costly. God asks for our lives. He asks for us to serve him as a priority, not as a hobby or a pastime. Um, and serving does not always need to be um, something that's um, public, like preaching, teaching, uh, helping on the sound, um, organist, right? Those are all areas of service. But serving can also be nursery duty or Sunday school duty or um, any other number of things. It, it can be hidden or it can be uh, public. It can be washing the dishes after a church social, right? That's all things, all these things are serving. It, it doesn't even have to be glamorous. <laughs> um, so serving is a, is can be as common as seeking to meet the needs, the commonplace needs that, that you find out there. And so that's why this is a spiritual discipline. Going back to our first lesson, this is going, serving is something that requires you to discipline yourself, to train yourself. Your, your flesh is not always going to want to serve, <laughs> but we have to, like a, an Olympic athlete, we have to, um, continue to push ourselves. No pain, no gain, right? That's the kind of thing. If we don't, um, if we don't discipline ourselves to serve for Christ's sake and for the sake of his kingdom, we're only going to serve when it's convenient for us. Um, and, and so it ends up being more self-serving than it does serving the church. So first, let's look at the we're gonna uh, our, our study. The serving portion is gonna look at first. Every Christian is expected to serve. Then we're going to look at how God su supplies us the power to serve, and then we're going to look at um, motivations to serve. We'll look at it in that order. So first, every Christian, every Christian is expected to serve. Grab your Bibles or your app and go to Hebrews 9. Hebrews 9. 
And we're going to look at verse 14. Actually, we can go up to 13, get a little context. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? The blood of Jesus cleanses you for what purpose? To serve God, right? It's not just a ticket to heaven. (laughs) God wants you to serve others here, and that's part of what it means to be a Christian. That's part of how the atonement, how the death of Jesus works on you. It cleans you up so that you can serve God. Psalm uh, 100, verse 2, also talks, has a good point to make. Psalm 100, verse 2. Serve the Lord with what? Gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. Right? Not grudgingly, with gladness. So, based on this, based on those two verses, is there any such thing as spiritual unemployment or spiritual retirement? No. Often you'll hear, well, I've served in the church for... 111 years, and that's, I think that's time enough. So let some of the, those younger folk do the time instead of me. That's not the right attitude. Uh, we don't, you, you don't get out of serving the church. Um, you might change your position, but you still have to serve God and serve the church. You don't get to hand that, that baton off to someone else. Um, your, your situation in life may change such that you can't serve the way you used to. That's absolutely true. But if you're, if you're uh, praying for the church at home, that's, is that serving the church? Absolutely. If you're, calling, if you're spending your time calling a few people up and, and, and giving them an encouraging, uh, an encouraging word, is that serving the church? Absolutely. So there's many different ways to serve. Um, and so we've seen in, in Hebrews 9 that Christ's blood has cleansed us in order that we may serve him. Now let's quickly look at the idea that God supplies us with the power, the ability to serve him. Let's go to Colossians. We're going to kind of bounce around Paul's letters here. Um, Colossians 
Colossians chapter 1, verse 29. For this I toil, struggling with all my, with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So Paul is saying that he's struggling, he's toiling, and whose energy is he struggling and toiling with? Yeah, God's, Jesus, right? God has worked in him. Power, see, that, he, that God powerfully works within me, he says. So that's, that's, that's uh, and, and notice he calls it toil, right? Washing dishes doesn't suddenly become fun now that you're a Christian. <laughs> but... Um, but there's there's more to it than that. <laughs> it's not always about doing fun things, I suppose. All right, First Corinthians twelve. We're going to see this kind of theme here. First Corinthians twelve, verse six and eleven. Well, let's go. You can go four, five, six, and then eleven. That'll get the point. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. And verse 7, too. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And then he lists a few spirit, uh, gifts, and then he summarizes in verse 11. And all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. All right, so the Holy Spirit empowers us, gives us different strengths and weaknesses, different gifts. And he does so for what, for who, which group are we supposed to be benefiting? The common good. That's right. Right? It, it, what's, and remember, we saw this about humility, looking for the needs of others ahead of yourself. The common good. Um, jump over to 2 Corinthians 4, just a few pages later. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. I like this passage. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. He describes us as jars of clay, right? An earthenware pot. Not not a very sturdy uh, structure, is it? You drop it and it'll smash into 50 pieces. But... We are so we are fragile, breakable things, yet God, the surpassing power, does not belong to us, it belongs to God. Next, let's uh, jump over to Ephesians, just showing you that this is a common theme in Paul. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19.
Actually, we'll go 18 and 19 to get the context. Um, Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope uh, to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. So the same power, the same divine almighty power that raised Jesus from the dead has also gave you new life in holy baptism. It's at the back. I was looking around for it. We move it at the back for Advent. Um, The same power that gives you new life through holy baptism, or if you're an adult convert like me, through the word, is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. A little bit of that divine power brought spiritual life to you, right? Think about your catechism verse for a second. Um, I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him, but, ah, but what? But he has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith, right? See, you couldn't do it before, but now you can come to Jesus Christ and believe in him. Why? Because God has empowered you to do so. And the same God who empowers you to believe in him and come to him in holy baptism is the same God who empowers you and helps you to serve for the common good. Philippians chapter 2, just a couple pages over, verse 13. At 12 and 13. And 14. (laughs) Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do nothing without with do all things without grumbling or disputing <laughs> so notice he tells you to work he tells christians to work out their own salvation why how by your own reason or strength no <laughs> because it is god who works in you and he works two things to will and to work so If you have a desire to do something that God wants, and this would include serving others, if you have that desire, who's to credit for that desire? You or God? God is the one who gives you the desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And the final verse in this little point on on God giving us the power, uh, Hebrews 13, back to Hebrews. 21. 20 and 21. Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. Now, may the God of peace, 
who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So notice the same thing. Um, the same thing in here. Um, the God who raised Jesus from the dead equips you with everything good so that you can do his will. Now, what is God's will? <laughs> Where would you go to discover what God's will is, especially in serving? The Bible, good. Uh, Ten Commandments also would be a good answer, right? Ten Commandments is good because it, it gives you the list of things you're supposed to do. You're supposed to uh, not hurt or harm in your neighbor in his body, but help and support him in every bodily need. You're, right, there's a good, you can, when you look at it, there's a good list of areas you can think, oh, you know, I can maybe serve somewhere with that. But the Bible definitely gives you um, hints that way. And let's look at uh, Joshua 24. And, and, and it's, you will serve somebody. <laughs> that's, that, that, that's maybe the next point to make. You will serve somebody. Joshua 24 and verse 15. Famous verse. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve Sunday football, right? No, we will serve the Lord, right? So you're going to serve somebody. You're going to serve, right? And if it's not the Lord, you're going to serve whatever God you've erected in his place. Right? And that can be anything. It can be literally anything. So we have to be careful that we serve the Lord and not ourselves or, or something else. Jesus gives us the example uh, in Luke um, 22. Luke 22, verse 27. Actually, we can do the 24 to 27. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as one who serves. For who is greater, one who reclines at table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. 
Interesting. So Jesus, the disciples are arguing amongst themselves, which one is top dog? And Jesus responds by rebuking them and saying, look, this is how the world thinks. This is how the this is how Rome thinks. You know, the person in power is the person who exercises authority and lords it over people. That's not the way to you. If you want to be the leader, you're going to serve. And then he uses his own example and he says, I am the one among you as the one who serves. Now, Luke doesn't say how Jesus is serving at the Last Supper, but we know how he's serving. What did he do at the Last Supper? He washed their feet. That's right. He did the, the job of a, of a lowly slave, you know, and it's not like they had socks on. They had sandals on the dusty, hot roads and, you know, no public sewers, you know, it, it, it's, that's a nasty job. And he did it uh, to give them the example that the greatest among us is the one who serves the most. Okay, so let's now look at some motivations for service. First, let's look at Deuteronomy 13 and verse 4. Deuteronomy 13, verse 4, tells us something good about serving. It says, You shall walk after the Lord your God, and fear him, and keep his commandments, and obey his voice, and you shall serve him and hold fast to him. So the first motivation for service is obedience, <laughs> right? It, the first motivation is God told you to serve. That should, uh, at that point, it should be enough, right? God told you to do it, so let's do it, right? Um, everything in that verse tells, talks to us about serving God, uh, when we should serve the Lord because we want to obey him, to listen to him. Um, it's not okay to be a Christian and sit on the sidelines and watch others do all the work in the kingdom. It, that's not okay. That's disobedience. Um, we disobey God when we are not serving him. Uh, to not serve God is sinful. Um, the next one, the next motivation for service is First Samuel 12. First Samuel 12, verse 24. Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Why? For consider what great things he has done for you. So, what's the next motivation for serving God? The first is obedience. The second, what he does for us. Gratitude. Right? Th thank, being thankful to God for the great things he has done for you. Not only 
Um, we may think of what he did for us by dying for us, what he continues to do for us spiritually, but we can also think of uh, physical things, uh, your first article kind of things. He's given you house and home, wife or spouse and kids, food, all those things, and he daily keeps them and provides for them. Right? God has done so much for you. He continues to do so much for you, more than we, we imagine or we think. And so gratitude is a good reason to serve others. If, if, um, and, and what, the question is, what can God do more for you that, that he's already done? God, God can't do anything more for you than he's already done for you. He, he like the God of the universe became a helpless baby <laughs> to grow up and, and to, to die on the cross uh, for you. What more could he do for you? <laughs> There's no, and if we can't be grateful servants of the one who did everything for us, um, then what will make us grateful? Because God's already done everything. The next one, we've already read the verse. And that's Psalm 100, verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness. So we're motivated by obedience. We're motivated by gratitude. We're also motivated by gladness. We don't serve God grudgingly. We serve him gladly. Um, serving God is not a burden. Um, Oh, I'm thinking of a verse now. I should have put this down. Um, there's a verse that says, God's commandments are not burdensome. Right? Or think of Jesus when he says, um, Come to me, all you who um, toil and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. What is a yoke? It's not from an egg. A a yoke, I used to think that all the time when as, a, as a kid, that he was talking about eggs. I'm like, what in, what in tarnation is he talking about eggs for? Yeah, it's, it's this thing that goes over your neck that helps you to carry something, right? You, you sometimes see that wooden thing, you have two buckets on it. and uh, Well, sometimes you want to carry something really heavy, you need another pair of shoulders. And so there's two spots, one for you and one for another. And so Jesus is there and he says, take my yoke for my burden is light and you will find rest. For your souls, right? So we're motivated um, by gladness. Um, serving God is not a burden; it's a privilege. Um, if you've acknowledged gratefully what God has done for you, it should be a cheerful thing to serve others. And then the next one, we're going to look at Isaiah six. Isaiah 6. Starting at verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. 
With two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. The one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that had been taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And then I said, Here I am, send me. So, what's the next motivation for service, according to this text? Form of worship. Form of worship, kind of. What happens to... Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Right. You see it? Isaiah's in the temple. He has this vision of God. And what does the angel do? He takes the burning coal from the altar and touches his lips and says, your sin has been atoned for and your guilt is taken away. And then when God asks, who am I going to send? He says, here I am, send me. Right, God has forgiven you all your sins. You're motivated to, to serve not out of guilt, not out of some sense of earning brownie points with God, but because your sins have been forgiven and you already stand in a right relationship with God. You don't serve God in order to be forgiven. You serve God because you are forgiven. That's a huge, huge way to make sure we get that right. And then, of course, we have that verse that we learned last week, Philippians 2, 3. We serve, we're motivated by one more. Uh, Philippians 2, verse 3. We read this one last week, but bears repeating. Philippians 2, verse 3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. We serve out of humility. And finally, Galatians 3, or 5, 13. Galatians 5, 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbors as yourself. And so the final motivation to serve is love. There's no better fuel um, for service than to love one another. So we have this, 
we have this, we have the, the idea that through the blood of Jesus, we have been cleansed from our sins in order to serve him. On top of that, God himself empowers us, gives us the ability to serve him, the will, the motivation to do that, to serve him and to serve one another, to serve for the common good. And we're motivated, and we don't get out of service at any point in our Christian life. And what motivates us for service is obedience, gratitude, gladness, forgiveness, humility, and love. So that's service. Uh, One particular service that um, is often highlighted is hospitality. It's an interesting one. How much time do we have there, Mark? Perfect. I want you to hear this. This is um, this is from uh, the rule of, of Benedict. Benedict is, that, is a monk in the 500s. Listen to what he tells his monks. All guests who present themselves are to be welcomed as Christ. For he himself will say, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Now, isn't that interesting? What does that tell you? How important do you think that, that, what does that tell you about the importance of hospitality for ancient people? Is it a small thing or a big thing? It's, it's big, right? But notice, did you, did you hear the verse that he cited? Let's look it up. Matthew chapter 25. When this, uh, Matthew chapter 25, starting at verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. The little righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did you, we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And, he will, and when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Did you notice that when you, who, who do you, when you, when someone's hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison. How do you treat them? As if it was Jesus himself who was there. If Jesus was in prison, would you go visit him? (laughs) 
If Jesus was sick, if God himself was sick, would you go and visit him or call him on the phone? Or, right? That's the, that's the point that he's getting. When you serve others in any way, we are to treat the other people as if we are serving God himself. There's, um, that's a point that's made in Hebrews 13. Uh, verses 1 and 2. Hebrews 13, verses 1 and 2. It says, Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Isn't that interesting? Some have entertained angels unaware. There's a story of that, and I don't think we have time to read it, but it's in Genesis 18. Um, It's most of the chapter, I believe, but I can summarize it here for you. But it's a good chapter to read at some point. I think it's Abraham. Yeah. So Abraham is sitting by a tree and he sees three men standing in front of him. And what does he do? He immediately goes and uh, says in verse 18, verse 3, Oh Lord, I have found, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and arrest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves and after that you may pass on. Um, and, and it says that Sarah made some bread and they took a, a calf and they, they made some curds and milk and, and they prepared a feast and they fed them. Now who are these three people? Well, at least one is God and two are angels. (laughs) So three strangers show up at Abraham's door and he has a chance to show hospitality to God himself. That's the, the text that Hebrews likely has in mind. Um. Let's, um, if you look at Romans, Romans chapter 12, verse 13. There's two texts in Romans here. 12, Romans 12, 13. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. And then just uh, then a couple chapters over in 15, verse 7. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And then one more lesson here on hospitality. And this will be the last verse for today. Luke chapter 7. And I'll make some points about this. Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. No, that's not. Oh, yes. Helps if I'm in the right chapter. 
One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered, answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When the two could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him the more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time that I came, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, because, for she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And then those who were at the table began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Um, there's also... Um, I'm just going to flip over a couple pages later in Luke 14. Um, Luke, Jesus also gives instructions that kind of apply. He says, when he, he also said to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid in the resurrection of the just. Showing hospitality is a huge thing in the New Testament. Because your fellow Christians have been bought with the blood of Christ, just like you have, Paul says that you need to welcome one another, show hospitality to one another. Uh, and that's something we need to learn at, at this church. To, and it, but it's been hard because we've had an epidemic and we can't really have people over. But it's important for the life and health of a church that a church show hospitality to one another. Have you, you know, if, some, if a stranger was to walk in off the street, and there have been one, some recently, it's not just my job to sit down with him. It is my job to sit down with him. But you can say, hey, nice to see you. Why don't we go for a coffee? Right? Or that, that couple who you haven't seen in a while. Oh, but pastor, I don't like that person. We don't get along. God doesn't care if you get along or not. You're supposed to show hospitality to everybody. You're supposed to love everybody. Uh, and that's, that's important for what we're doing in the New Testament. Um, I think we've ran out of time. Okay. Let's, let's pray, and uh, we'll prepare ourselves for worship. 
Well, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the Father, you came into the world to serve us by shedding your blood for us on the cross for the forgiveness of all our sins. You have called us to serve and show hospitality to one another, even as you have served and welcomed us. So, Lord, we ask that you would send us your Holy Spirit. Uh, help us to find and see ways where we can serve and welcome and show hospitality one to another so that we uh, may, out of gratitude and love for our neighbor, uh, do what you have asked. And this we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You've been listening to The Church Door. Thanks again for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, you can reach me, Pastor Matthew Fenn, at revfenn, R-E-V-F-E-N-N, at iCloud.com. Look forward to having you with us again next time.